जय राधमाधव जय कुंजबिहारी जय राधमाधव जय कुंजबिहारी जय गोपीजनवल्लभ गिरिवरधारी जय गोपी जनवल्लभ गिरिवरधारी यशोदनंदन व्रजजन रंजन यशोदनंदन व्रजजन रंजन जमुनातीरावनचारी यमुनातीरावनचारी जय राधमाधवा कुंजाबिहारी जय जय ओम विष्णुपाद परमहंस परिवराज गचार्यूपाद ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम ज्ञानात्मनंदनाशलाकाय चक्षुमेदेना तस्मा श्री गुरव नम I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Shri Chaitanya Manovistam Sapitam Janabutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Tadatit Swapadantikam When will Shri La Rupa Goswami Prabhupada who was established within this material world the mission to fulfill the desire of Lord Chaitanya give me shelter under his lotus feet. Vancha Kalpa Tarubhyascha Kripasindubhyavacha Patitanam Pabanebio Vaishnavebio Namonamaham. I offer my respectful obeisances unto the Vaishnav devotees of the Lord. They are just like desire trees and can fulfill the desires of everyone, and they are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhunityananda Shri Dvaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaurabhaktavrinda. I offer my respectful obeisances unto Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Lord Nityananda, Shri Advaita, Gadadhar Pandit, Shri Vastakur, and all the devotees of Lord Chaitanya. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. I pray that Shri Shri Radhakalashanji, Shri Labraupad, and Shri Lagur, they've used me as an instrument so that their message can flow through me to give me the words to serve the Vaishnavas listening. 
Today is Tuesday, May 31st, 2022. I am Jay Sri Radhe Devidasi, and we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 1, Creation, Chapter 15, The, pa- the Pandavas Retire Timely, Text 45. Sarvetam Anun Nirjagmur Pratara Krita Nishchaya Kalinna dharma mitrena drishtva prajabhuvi. Sarve, all his younger brothers, tam him, anunir jagmu, left home by following the elder, bratara, brothers, kritanishchaya, decidedly, kalina, by the age of Kali, Adharma, principle of irreligion, Mitrena, by the friend, Drishva, observing, Shprishta, having overtaken, Praja, all citizens, Bhuvi, on the earth. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. The younger brothers of Maharaja Yudhisthir observed that the age of Kali had already arrived throughout the world and that the citizens of the kingdom were already affected by irreligious practice. Therefore, they decided to follow in the footsteps of their elder brother. Purport. The younger brothers of Maharaja Yudhisthir were already obedient followers of the great emperor, and they had sufficiently been trained to know the ultimate goal of of life. They therefore decidedly follow their eldest brother in rendering devotional service to Lord Sri Krishna. According to the principles of Sanatan Dharma, one must retire from family life after half the duration of life is finished and must engage oneself in self-realization. But the question of engaging oneself is not always decided. Sometimes retired people are bewildered about how to engage themselves for the last days of life. Here is a decision by authorities like the Pandavas. All of them engage themselves in favorably culturing the devotional service of the Lord, Sri Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. According to Swami Sridhar, Dharma, Artha, Kama, and Moksha are fruit of activities, philosophical speculations, and salvation, as conceived by several persons, are not the ultimate goal of life. They are more or less practiced by persons who have no information of the ultimate goal of life. The ultimate goal of life is already indicated by the Lord himself in the Bhagavad Gita, 1864. And the Pandavas were intelligent enough to follow it without hesitation. So today we will discuss religion, Sanatana Dharma, and the ultimate goal of life. So if we remember back a few chapters ago, um, where we talked about Vyasadev writing the Vedas, he um, broke them up into four different parts, and he um, put everything down on paper. He wrote everything down. And basically what he had written down, the four different parts, talked about the four different parts of religion that Prabhupada mentions here, Dharma, Artha, Kaman, Moksha. Dharma is, we talk, we've talked about before, it's, one's duty, but it's more than that. It's one's nature. Um, it's the ethics. So 
even further in depth about Dharma is that um, it consists of duties that sustain one according to their innate characteristics. So we last week we talked about how to find one's Dharma, what we can do, what questions we can ask. The other parts of the Vedas that cover how to live materially are artha, or economics, how to increase one's wealth, um, how to sustain oneself, you know, financially, I guess one can say. And then gamma is pleasure. You know, how do we satisfy our desires? How do we gain pleasure? Um, and, you know, we have um, tons of books written on that, right? Moksha is liberation. And this is how we gain salvation, what we can do to um, gain maybe a better position in our next lives. But even after writing about all four of these major topics, if we remember that um, Vyasadeva was still unhappy, he was he felt incomplete. He felt like he didn't really complete his life's purpose or mission. And Narada Muni came and gave him instructions and guided him that he needed to write the Srimad Bhagavatam. If we remember from Srimad Bhagavatam 159, it says, Although, great sage, you have broadly described the four principles beginning with religious performances, you have not described the glories of the Supreme Personality, Vasudev. So basically, Narada Muni has told him that even though you compiled so many volumes of the Vedas and instructions on, you know, to people on how to live properly, you still left out the main part, you know, all about God. And because of that, Vyasadeva himself felt despondent. He felt incomplete. He felt like he hadn't fulfilled his life's mission. And then his spiritual master instructed him on how to do that. So what we have to learn to do is combine living in the material world um, and and doing well and successful so that we can pass on that knowledge and success to our you know future generations. But we also want to learn how to live successfully spiritually. Last week we discussed Varnashram Dharma, right? Living according to our nature, which is Dharma, which we, there's four major categories that we can fall into as far as what we do, um, how we live our lives. And that is Brahmana, the teachers, the leaders, the, um, sorry, the teachers, the, um, academicians, the doctors, the healers, the kshatriyas are the leaders, the administrators, police, warriors, military. Vaishas are the business class, merchants, farmers, landowners. And then the shudras are the workers. And we all fall into tendencies of one of these categories. And then we talked about the different stages of life. The student life, right, where we study um, we're learning, we might be learning our craft, we're learning um, how to engage our dharma, our nature, right, in our duties. And then there's the householder life where we're actually engaging our dharma and we are maintaining a family, maintaining a household. Um, and then there's retired life. And then in today's purport, Prabhupada says that after half the duration of life, um, one must retire 
and engage oneself in self-realization. So we don't really know how long we're going to live. However, we estimate that to be about 100. So at the age of 50, it's said that one can retire. Um, and then we enter the retired stage of life. And, you know, we learned last week it's about a quarter for each stage. I mean, a quarter of a century for each stage. So 25 years for the retired life and then another 25 years of the renounced life where you've given up everything and just, um, you know, engaging in activities of spiritual self-realization. So what we are learning to do is to include Krishna in all of these um, actions, you know, whether we're Brahmana, Kshatriya, Vaisha, or Shudra, or whether we're in the student life, the householder life, retired life, and renounced life. Because if we are always including Krishna and we're always um, thinking about Krishna and everything we do for him, we're always in the renounced part of life, whether we're student, householder, or retired. So that... Um, we'll discuss a little bit more today. That's what we concluded last week. In a letter dated June 14th, 1975, Srila Prabhupada talks about um, Dharma, and he says, Dharma is the law given by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And he quotes in this letter, um, Srimad Bhagavatam 6.3.19, and he says, which says, real religious principles are enacted by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Although fully situated in the mode of goodness, even the great rishis who occupy the topmost planets cannot ascertain the real religious principles, nor can the demigods or the leaders of the Siddhaloka, to say nothing of the asuras, ordinary human beings, vidyadharas, and charanas. So basically, Prabhupada um, is quoting this particular verse to show that even the most learned scholar um, all of that information is pretty much useless without real religious principles. And those real religious principles can only come from God. It's not man-made. It's not something that we make up. It only comes from God. And the whole purpose of religion is, you know, we talk about self-realization, right? So Prabhupada says that at the end of half of the life, we retire and we engage in self-realization. So... That self-realization comes from God. It's not something that we make up. It's not something that just um, some person decided that this is how we need to live our lives. It's actually the eternal truth, and it comes from God. And then he goes on to to quote in this letter, Srimad Bhagavatam 1.1.2, which says, Completely rejecting all religious activities which are materially motivated... This Bhagavad Purana propounds the highest truth, which is understandable by those devotees who are fully pure in heart. The highest truth is reality distinguished from illusion for the welfare of all. Such truth uproots the threefold miseries. So, one, we know that we're, it comes from God, the highest truth, this religious activities, real religious principles. Um, and we have to make ourselves uh, qualified in order to learn these true religious principles. We have to be fully pure in heart. And it's meant for everyone's welfare. So when we can see, like if we're looking at the four 
principles, dharma, artha, um, kama, and moksha, that's more for our own benefit or the benefit of our family, right? We're looking at um, how are we living our lives? How are we engaging in our duties? What are we doing to provide, you know, the economics, financial for our family? How are we satisfying our own senses? And how are we attaining liberation for ourselves and our family? I mean, that family could be extended to community, our own society. Um, but it's usually not meant for everyone. Whereas real religious principles are looking to offer liberation and self-realization to every single living entity. So that means not just in this city, not just in this state, not just in this country, um, but the whole world. And not just Earth, but the entire universe. And not just for humans, but for every living entity from the animals to birds to fish to lizards to plants to, you know, um, amoebas, you know, parasites, like bacteria. We're looking to um, create welfare for all. And we do that by uprooting the threefold miseries. We know that these threefold miseries are the miseries that come from um, other living entities. They come from nature, and they come from our own mind, ourselves. So those are the threefold miseries. And when we are talking about real religious principles, it uplifts us from those threefold miseries. Even when we're living in the material world, if we are fully pure in heart and we're engaged in self-realization and understanding, the biggest um, three of the threefold miseries is the one that we have for ourselves. So, you know, we're with, we are in pain constantly. We're just in discomfort. We're seeking, um, satisfaction and pleasure. And when we don't get it, we feel, you know, bad. We feel sad, angry. But if we learn to control that feel, those feelings and what our thoughts are regarding things that happen, we decrease our suffering by almost, you know, 100%. Because, yes, we may undergo pain, but then we realize that we're not this body. It's not really happening to me. We can, out, you know, understand that this pain is here and it's just uncomfortable. But then we also realize it's not everything that who we are, right? So we recognize that the pain is just a part of life and we don't suffer anymore because of that. Um, the verse goes on to say, This beautiful Bhagavatam, compiled by the great sage Vyasadeva in his maturity, is sufficient in itself for God-realization. What is the need of any other scripture? As soon as one attentively and submissively hears the message of Bhagavatam, by this culture of knowledge, the Supreme Lord is established within their heart. So, we learn about these activities of self-realization by reading about the, what self-realization is, who Krishna is, who God is, what is our relationship to God. And when we do that, we learn what is sanatana dharma. So we take that word dharma again, right? One's nature, one's duty, the activities that we do to sustain ourselves. 
And now there's another word added here, sanatan. Sanatana means eternal. So these are the duties which take into account the person's spiritual or constitutional identity as spirit, soul, atma, and are thus the same for everyone. This is the eternal law. So whether we're, you know, a teacher, a fighter, a um, business person, or a worker, we all follow this eternal law, this eternal dharma, sanatan dharma that we have. And what is that sanatan dharma? Well, in the purport, Prabhupada says that it's um, given to us in Bhagavad Gita 1864, which says, because you are my very dear friend, I'm speaking to you my supreme instruction, the most confidential knowledge of all. Hear this from me, for it is for your benefit. And then in 1865, it goes on to say, Always think of me, become my devotee, worship me, and offer your homage unto me. Thus you will come to me without fail. I promise you this because you are my very dear friend. So this is what is the eternal law. We always think about Krishna, we become his devotee, and we worship him, and we offer everything to him. So we think about him, we Whatever we do is meant for him. And then he goes on to say in 1866, abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender unto me. I shall deliver you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear. So again, it's reiterating what was stated in Shrimad Bhagavatam 112, which started with completely rejecting all religious activities which are materially motivated. And what we've been talking about, right, before we talked about the four principles that are outlined in most scriptures, the um, Dharma, Artha, Kama, and Moksha, that's part of religion. So um, Krishna is here saying, Abandon all of that and just surrender unto me, right? Because it's not about, you know, one's duty. It's not about uh, earning money, financial stability. It's not about satisfying your senses, finding pleasure. And it's not about salvation or liberation. It's about connecting yourself to God, to Krishna. So Krishna says, just surrender unto me, and he will take care of everything. He'll de- deliver us from all sinful reactions. Do not fear. So we have nothing to be afraid of. You know, if we just surrender to God, he takes care of everything. He'll take care of all of the four principles that are laid out in religious um, guides, right, in religious texts, the Vedas, even the Bible, whatever other religious texts there are. So if we just abandon all of that and just focus on our relationship to God, to Krishna, that is where it is. And then previously he told us how to do that, right? How do we just surrender unto him? We always think of him. We serve him. We, whatever we do, right? In Bhagavad Gita 9.27, he says, whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you offer or give away, and whatever austerities you perform, do that as an offering to me. So he's telling us how we completely surrender to him. And so 
then we have to learn how do we do that? How do we constantly think about Krishna? How do we constantly remember him in whatever we do and remember him in whatever we eat and whatever we offer and give away? Um, we learn about him, right? We learn who is Krishna, what is our relationship to him? And we can do that at any um, position in life, right? Whatever stage of life that we're in, whether it's student, householder, retired, and especially renounced. Um, and we can do that in whatever um, profession that we're in, right? Whether it's teacher, whether it's um, administrator, whether it's uh, farmer or worker, we can always think of Krishna and whatever we do, we offer to him. So we learn about Krishna to do that, right? We learn, we study the Srimad Bhagavatam in the Bhagavad Gita. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna has several, I mean, the whole Bhagavad Gita is really about how to find out who we really are, what is our relationship to God, and how do we live that relationship every single day in reality Right, so when we study the Bhagavad Gita, we can understand that. And in the verse that we read, one one two, it says, "One attentively and submissively hears the message of Bhagavatam. The Lord is established within their heart." Right, and we have these beautiful books from um, Srila Prabhupada. He translated. He spent, you know all of his final years translating the Srimad Bhagavatam, we see that even in his on his deathbed, he's translating the Srimad Bhagavatam because he wanted us to have these books to read and study because they're essential for us to understand who we are and attain self-realization and understand our, our relationship to Krishna. For us to learn what is Sanatan Dharma, what is the eternal law that we all want to engage with. So we have to make it a point to read these books every single day. And I understand, you know, because we're engaged in our profession, we're engaged in householder life, earning financial stability for our family so that we're not out on the streets and we have enough food. You know, we've talked about this previously in, in previous classes, that we want to have at least the basic necessities of life, right? We want to have shelter, food, um, security, safety, uh, family, right? So that we have that level of basic necessities met, then we're able to actually think about higher topics like who am I, where do I come from, what is, you know, who is God and what is my relationship to God? These topics don't come up if you're just struggling for the basic basics of life, right? So yes, of course we want to take care of our family and we want to feel happy and find pleasure in doing so. Um, when we start studying these books, we understand and realize that all the pleasure that we have here is temporary. And we want to go from having temporary pleasure to eternal pleasure, to having pleasure that's going to last more than just a lifetime. It's going to last eternally. So we learn that when we learn what our relationship to Krishna is and who we are, because that is where eternal pleasure comes from. Remember that we are beings of eternal bliss 
and knowledge. So all of this knowledge is already within us when we read the Srimad Bhagavatam. It helps us to uncover it and understand it and get in touch with who we are. And it, and then all this pleasure is already within us as well. So when we connect ourselves to God, to Krishna, we under, we start to feel that pleasure that it's like a fountain that just starts to burst inside of us. So we learn to engage in our material activities while also with the mindset of doing everything that we're doing for Krishna. So I would reiterate once again to make sure that you're spending some time reading um, the books, not just reading the books, studying the books, right? So I've given this advice before and I'll give it again. I understand that we're busy. I've, I've been in that position myself and even now I find myself, you know, find so many activities during the day. Um, but I make sure every day that I read at least 15 minutes of the Srimad Bhagavatam that Pro, Srila Prabhupada has translated for us. So I read the ver- the translated verse and his purports for 15 minutes. And when the timer goes off, you know, I finish whatever paragraph I'm reading and then, you know, put my little bookmark there and pick up the next day. And over the years, you know, I've had um, days where I've read regularly every day and then I've had times where it's like I forget and I don't read um, but I know that, and I have a thing that keeps track of this. So since the first day of Karthik last year in 2021, I have read 15 minutes every single day. And on that day of Karthik 2021, the first day I was in Canto six chapter, I think 15. And now what is it? It's like six months, seven months later, I'm in Canto 10, um, chapter 3, right? So 15 minutes each day doesn't seem like a lot, but look at that. In seven months, I went through four cantos. Um, And, you know, when we study the Srimad Bhagavatam, in Bhagavatam class, we do one verse, maybe a few verses, because there might not be a purport or a few verses are strung together. We do one verse a day. I started giving the Srimad Bhagavatam class every Tuesday, I don't know, like in 2019, so what, three years ago? And I remember around July of 2019, we started the Srimad Bhagavatam all over again, right? We started from 111, and today we're at 115, um, what are we at today? 115.45. So... You know, we've read 15 chapters by just reading one verse a day. And in that time, in those three years, there was a whole year in which we didn't have class because of the pandemic. So technically, in two years, we've read 15 chapters. And I think it takes, what, like 18, 17, 18 years to read the entire Srimad Bhagavatam as we were reading, because I think we started... We ended what in 2019 and I think we started sometime in 90, maybe it's a little after that. So maybe even takes 20 years. Let's say it takes 20 years. Well, if we're not reading at all, the next 20 years will just go by and we haven't even read the Srimad Bhagavatam. 
But if we read even one verse a day and we study that one verse and we understand it and we see how it relates to our life today and learn to see the Srimad Bhagavatam in everyday life, then in 20 years we would have advanced so far. I mean, it seems like a, lot, a long time. Um, but, you know, think about where you were 20 years ago. Um, I know that, what, 20 years ago was, what, 2002, right? So imagine that. In 2002, if we'd started, if you had started reading a Srimad Bhagavatam one verse a day, you'd be finished by now, right? So it's just like small steps take, take us very far, right? Even in the, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, um, gradually, step by step in 625, he says, gradually, step by step, with faith and determination, we can make progress. Paraphrasing, but that's basically what he's saying. You know, so we want to learn that that step by step is just as important as big leaps and bounds. So we can read the Srimad Bhagavatam, we can read the Bhagavad Gita, same thing, right? If you read one verse a day of the Bhagavad Gita, you'd be done in two years, less than two years, maybe like a year and a half. If you, um, if you did, you know, one verse, one purport, or, you know, just try to read one purport, it doesn't take long to read, um, the Bhagavad Gita. I know that I start reading the Bhagavad Gita the first day of Karthik every year, and I'm done before the next Karthik because I'm reading two verses a day. I should say two purports a day. Um, unless the purports are really long, then it's just one, but even with that schedule, you know, and it's not just reading it. I'm studying it, right? I'm understanding what do these verses mean. Um, I'm really, like, finding my realization. Um, and then, so that's one way you can do it. You can join a study club, right, a book club. Um, a lot of Christians have what's called a Bible study. We can have a Bhagavad Gita study. We can have a Srimad Bhagavatam study, which is basically what this class is. But, you know, get together with some friends, some people that you trust and love, and you can support each other and be honest with each other as you discuss these very intimate topics, right, of the Bhagavad Gita and the Srimad Bhagavatam. And you discuss your own realizations, your own vulnerabilities, shortfalls, wins, you know, things that are going well for you, how you are engaging in the Bhagavad Gita, but things that you're struggling with. If you have friends that you can discuss this with, you'll make so much more advancement than just trying to do it by ourselves. You know, in some ways we're, um, especially as Americans, we're such pioneers. We think, oh, I don't need anyone's help. I can do this all by myself. I'm independent. And no doubt, we have this knowledge within us. Krishna's guiding us within us. But Krishna's also guiding us to associate with other devotees, to read the books, to chant, to have prasadam, right? So these are, these, this is Krishna guiding us. So we have to understand that we are not, um, independent of each other. And we're also not dependent of each other. We're interdependent. We work together to help each other elevate each other, right? So nobody's really dependent on each other. We're all kind of interdependent. And then it's, then we create a beautiful society and we can spread this society to include more and more people, more and more living entities 
until we take care of the welfare of the entire world, as, you know, Srila Prabhupada is instructed in the letter that he wrote, um, that it's not just for us, it's for the entire civilization needs this knowledge. So when we study the books and we learn the philosophy and we learn who we are and what our relationship to Krishna is and how we can serve him and how we can serve um, and please him, then we really learn how to serve others and do everything for the welfare of others. So I'll end here and see if there are any questions. Yes. Morning. Hare Krishna. Would I be so kind as to repeat something I recently read? So, um, in what, Shubhavagotam Bhag, um, Canto 10, I'm basically reading about the birth of Krishna, right? The first few chapters are really talking about why he comes to earth and um, everything that's happened to bring him here. And I'm at the part where um, Sankarshan or Balram is born and he's switched the wombs, you know. Yes, Sankarshan is born and He's being switched from the womb of Devaki to Rohini and Yogamaya is switched, you know. So um, it's just interesting more than that is the purports that Prabhupada writes about the verse itself. And each purport, I was reading this and I was like in awe because I, I it's, it's really slowed down my progress because the purports are so rich in philosophy. I mean, just every purport themselves was like complete Krishna conscious philosophy, right? It, every purport delineates that we're not this body. I mean, they're just, it's all of it, right? All of it's in there, um, in each purport. And I just thought that was very interesting that we come to the, the heart of the Srimad Bhagavatam and Prabhupada is really emphasizing that in order to really engage with this nectar of Krishna's pastimes on earth, we have to really understand the basics that we're not this body, that we're spirit soul, that we're eternal servants of Krishna, you know, and then we can really come into this reading each verse of the Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 10, um, the pastimes and glories of Lord Sri Krishna, in the proper mood of really learning about him to serve him better, you know, to engage our relationship with him even stronger. So I would say that's more of what's struck out to me every time I'm reading the purports. So, Right, so the comment was made that if there is a Bhagavad Gita study, maybe like on a Monday night, um, we could have a few devotees come to the temple room for a half an hour and, you know, pick a verse and study it. And <laughs> she says, Monday night, 7 p.m. So whoever wants to show up, please do. Um, I'm, it's not anything official. I don't know who's coming or who's not, but we can always start something like that. Yeah. And it doesn't have to necessarily be that. 
Um, but you know, it's a great way where it's a discussion more than a class. Um, you know, there might be a moderator just to make things move along. <laughs> Hare Krishna. So, you know, those are some ideas. Um, other ways, you know, we've got so much technology now where you have Zoom. We could do Zoom Bhagavad Gita classes. I know that there's a few people that are doing that. Um, WhatsApp discussions, right, or some other group text chats, right, because now there's Telegram and there's Signal and there's, like, so many of them. But, you know, now they'll all be called WhatsApp because WhatsApp was the first one. Anyway, so I'll end here. And um, Hare Krishna. Dhanantra Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai.